Hi, this is Kevin, and I'm here to help. Welcome back to another episode. Boy, I'm glad that I got to spend some time with you today. I had the wonderful opportunity to sit down this afternoon with a dear friend of mine and talk about something that's been dear on my heart, something that um, I've been doing in my own life, and my wife and I have been done in our home. Co-pastor and I, Michael and I, have done at our church, and I want to talk today about breaking the mold or getting off the beaten path. And I was able to sit down with one of my dear friends. I've known my friend Mark Foster for a long time. Years ago, God brought us to the church where my wife had grown up, and um, a young man named Mark had was going there. He was an older teenager. And I got to work with his father at my secular job and got to spend some time with him, got to know the family, and Mark became family. He was able to, his his senior year of high school, he, he stayed with my wife and I, and just he became family. And over the last many years, he's been a, a dear friend and a dear help to uh, my family. Mark is, um, he's a friend. I consider him either a younger brother, I used to call him son many years ago. Um, he's a pastor, he's a counselor, he does life coaching, he's a chaplain for his local fire department. Um, he's been married a long time to a dear friend of ours. He has a father of four children and just a busy, busy guy. And Mark has been a pivotal person in my wife and I's grief journey. And he's been a primary counselor of mine as we have driven down the road of, of grief and just been a good, good influence and help in our lives. And what I like to do is I'm bringing him in a conversation that we had concerning breaking the mold or getting off the beaten path. And I hope it's a conversation that will be helpful to many. And I would just want to get into that and see if our conversation can be a help to you as we talk about breaking the molds of life. Sometimes I think we inherit traditions and habits and think we're on the right path and it holds us back from from really growing. And so I'm bringing Mark on and I wanted to give a condensed version of many conversations that him and I have had over the last 15, 16 years as we've gone through similar growth journeys in our own lives and I hope it's a help to you because this this gentleman has been just a, a good help to me and he's a help for many people and I hope that he's a help for you and I hope you get something out of this talk that we had here we go hey Mark how are you I'm phenomenal that's good yeah um so I'm, I'm a little bit upset that this isn't going to be video just audio because I feel like people are I just got a haircut today, and I feel like people are missing out on the benefit of, of my face. But Well, you are so wearing a hat, so I don't think that would matter. The hat's um, my thing. <laughs> I haven't done hats yet this winter. but So you and I have had extensive conversations. You and I have been friends for a long, long, long time. Yes. Um, pretty much to the point where we consider each other family. I would um, say so. You've been very very much part in our lives as far as um 
our healing process through our grieving. You've been a big help to me, which I've passed a lot of that help on to my wife. Um, and when it comes to a lot of the things that we're going through in um, what we, what most people would call our faith journey um, is we have both at separate times and different ways at different times, um, both have gone through a transition of breaking rank of getting out of the norm, um, pulling away from um, the standard faith tradition in which you and I both entered later on in our teenage lives. Cause I know when your dad moved down here um, and started going to the church in Bath, that was a big change. Cause I know he tried to adopt some things and that didn't work out too well for y'all up in Skowhegan. Um, and so kind of, that kind of changed your life. And so yeah. you went into the faith tradition that we have been involved in, we're trained in and spent much of our early years of pastoral ministry in together. Well, not together, but at the same time, within that faith tradition um and me as an older as an older teenager i got involved in the independent baptist movement and went to the same college to be trained in and came back to the church in bath where your dad came for a while um and that's where you and i met and and became friends and family from there and then from there, once we once I got to Michigan and you got to North Carolina, it seemed like God was doing something in both our lives, a little bit different ways, um, just kind of shaking things up for me because um, things weren't working out quite as the way I thought they should have. And you started having some serious opposition because you were growing in a way and having a hard time transitioning to church to follow you there. Um, and so that started us on this journey of of breaking out of the norm or what we consider the norm mm. to where a lot of those those connections that we've had in the past and a lot of the 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 foundations and traditions that we kind of held on to, we've kind of put those more into a not as ne necessary category. So I wanted to kind of bring you on because, I've chatted about it, but it, I know a lot of people, um, I, I love your perspective and you've changed a lot faster than I have probably because you're so much younger than I am yeah. <laughs> like seven years. Um, yep. but, uh, but I wanted to just kind of open up and, and I want you mostly to take this because, um, mostly people have heard my voice on here for three years. And so maybe somebody else's voice would be good. So I want to kind of start off with the question of, how important are boundaries and traditions and these cultural foundations? Let's start off with understanding what is your take on how important they are in any of our, whether it be our faith tradition, whether it be culture, um, how important are they um, before we get into seeking out how to break, a, break out of that tra a tradition why do we have those and why are they important? I don't know. That's just where yeah. I want to kind of start off with. Well, I'm not a let's burn everything down um, kind of guy. At least I don't think I don't think that I am. I mean, identity is really, really important. And I think without proper boundaries, properly understood, um, without the right traditions, I mean, the people of faith, God's covenant people, the family of God, I mean, that 
there are some important traditions that should go along with that and even cultural foundations. If those things are disregarded or lost, then I think we lose who we are, right? Yeah. And that's kind of the battle. That's kind of the battle it, over that is, you know, are we just going to set ourselves adrift in an ocean and, and go nowhere? Or are we trying to invent something totally new, you know, and that's why we're just, you know, rebelling against everything. Um, I don't think I'm rebelling against everything, but I do think that I do think that boundaries and traditions and cultural foundations are of primary importance to understand even who you are in Christ, who you are as a people and where your family is and what place you have in it. So that how do my answer? Yeah. So how do we how do we know when it's time to make adjustments, not necessarily completely break the mold and, you know, throw the baby out with the bathwater? How do we know when it's time to say, oh my goodness, um, there are some things that may need to be changed? Yeah. How did, or how did you just your in your own personal testimony? How did you find that it was time to really maybe do some serious adjustments? Well, I can answer that several ways but the best way might be how i explained it to the church when i moved when i moved here and that is i'm not anti-tradition but the purpose of traditions are to uh, serve and enrich the people and not to be served by the people so that would be that's one way that i identify it's one of those like if you find yourself in your faith journey or in your community of faith in your church in your congregation if you find yourself scratching your head like saying what is why are we even doing this yeah that doesn't mean that it's a bad tradition but it means that somewhere someone dropped the ball in explaining what this is even all about um and if you do ask what it's about and you don't get a satisfactory answer or the answer you end up getting is well you know it's a it's an overused cliche but because we've always done it that way the reason that's a cliche is because people say it all the time right you know we've always done this so always doing something is a poor reason to continue doing it and that's that's one of the ways that i would say it's time to consider breaking away or changing something when it's no longer when it's no longer serving the purpose for which it was created or the purpose for which we gather um and I feel like we get together for a specific reason. And if our traditions are standing in the way of that, um, and we're bowing before the traditions and not fulfilling our mandate, then I say the traditions got to go. Is that kind of, I just thought of this while you're talking, is that kind of like when Jesus said when he was facing up with the Pharisees that um, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath for man. Um, and looking at that historical fact and how the um, Jewish leaderships went off off rail um, and put so much focus on tradition because you know you read the Gospels and Jesus got a little bit uh, upset at how yeah. the tradition and the you know the oral traditions and you know and the edicts that that came from the the Pharisees and the doctors and the lawyers. He got a little upset because that was put above the whole purpose of, you know, love God, keep his commandments, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, so, well, yeah, it's not that it necessarily got above. It's that they missed they missed the whole point of it. I mean, it's my opinion that the word fulfilled in 
in the Gospels is less about um, the way something had to be versus something that fills up an outline or fills up a pattern. So when Jesus says love is the fulfilling of the law, what he means is it's the whole purpose. It was the whole point, which means God gave the Sabbath out of love, love for God and love for man. And the Pharisees had turned the Sabbath into something which was detrimental to man, which was contrary to its initial purpose. And there's a lot of traditions that we have that aren't actually benefiting God's people. And nobody's saying they are. They're saying exactly the opposite. They're like, this isn't for your benefit. You don't come to church for you. You know, you come to church for God. That's not what the Bible says. It's not, it's not what's in the right. scriptures. So we, Paul said, in fact, to the church at Corinth, he said one of his biggest beefs with them was that they came together not for the better, but for the worse. Right. So even Paul, even in the New Testament, it didn't change. The reason we gather is for edification. So if it's not doing that, then, hey, you know, it's something needs to, something needs to be fixed. So, so we're, we're, we're facing struggles. We're standing on these foundations, and we see that these, some things around us, some traditions or some, some identifications or some um, boundaries that we find ourselves in, and we're saying some – how do we – well, yeah, you already answered. I was about to add, had a follow-up question, but I think you answered it. So how do we know that it's time? How do I know that – because I remember um, Michael, the, the guy I co-pastor with, there was a time when, when we both came to the conclusion that it was time to make some changes um, that we did at our, our congregation, and we it just became evident for us um, – so how but generally speaking not just in you know church you know how we do things um polity and and policy but i mean just in life how do we know when it's okay to say i'm going to break out of this tradition this thing that i found myself in and i'm going to do something a little different i'm going to seek out a way how do we know that it's just not um just me saying, well, I just want to change. It's yeah. just a desire to change compared to a need to change. How do how do we dig into that? Well, I think it has to start with you got to be really crystal clear on where you're headed, where what your goal is. I had a young man who's recently gotten saved, a young adult, and he asked me Sunday, he said, Give me a template, right? Give me a template. How I I want to I want to be close to God. We had talked about Zacharias in in Luke chapter one. And he's like, I want to be like that when I get older. Like, I just want to be faithful, even if everybody else is walking away. Like, tell me what to tell me what to do. I and and I'm like, well, tell me tell me what tell me where you would like to get in your relationship with God. Like, what tell yeah. me what tell me what a ten a ten year from now Jezreel would look like. And he had no idea what he wanted. I said, that's more important than a template, right? So because once you know where you're trying to get to, the template comes easy. Um, uh, there's a tendency both in church and in our lives to just, we know we're unhappy. So we just start changing everything or we see someone else doing something and they seem happy or successful. So we just copy the trend. We copy what they're doing, but it usually only works for the first few people that had the idea to do it right. because they had a reason for it. We're just doing it because they're doing it. So first start with like, where are you, where are you trying to get to? What, what is your what is your goal? And then 
are the things you're doing helping you to accomplish that goal? If the answer is yes, keep on doing them. Maybe you make some tweaks, but keep on doing them. If the answer is no, then it's time to then it's time to make that change and to start looking for what would get me where I'm trying to go. Right. Um, but you know, it's lifting weights is a good thing to do. Like a, a healthy bench press is impressive. But if I see a guy who trains all year long on his bench and I'm like, Hey man, you're, you're committed to this. Like, what's your goal here? He's like, I'm going to run the Boston marathon. Like, How much time do you practice running? Never, but I can bench, you know, like nobody's business. Like let's, it's not bad, but it's not helpful. So, you know, we got to, I think we need to be careful to get away from the idea that just because I leave a, a given tradition or I let go of a certain thing, I'm not saying that thing is bad. I'm saying it's not in line. It's not helping me get where I'm trying to go. Right. And I think a lot of Christians and a lot of churches don't know where they're trying to go. So they just spin their tires. I've spun my tires a lot. Man, my, um, I, mine are bald at this point. <laughs> um, so when we get... So how do I know or how when I'm assessing this and I and I'm and I'm finding my goals, I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing and I'm trying to find out where I want to be. Mm -hmm. And I'm so I'm breaking I'm I'm breaking down, seeing what my my foundations are and realize that some of those are keeping me from getting to that goal. Um how do you handle the fear? Because I know this was one of the biggest things, and when I faced a lot of changes, is I know I'm gonna I'm gonna get a lot of opposition. I'm going to get people to come at me from all sorts and all sides and all ranks, and say, "Yeah, you've you've departed from the faith. You're a heretic. You're a psychopath. You've gone liberal." You know, um, how do I? set that emotional response of fear of oh my goodness all those people that have held to me as this big faithful person and now they think i'm a a, a psychopath and i've completely abandoned what is the right and good old path um how do i set that aside how do i face those fears i think first the fear is a healthy thing because it keeps us from jumping too quickly it's good for us to think through the implications of the decisions that we're that we're going to make so i wouldn't want to be too quick to set it aside but fear is also not an indicator that you're going in the wrong direction right um this is one of my favorite things to talk about i'm actually writing a book on it right now entitled um choose who you want to lose with i'm actually writing uh, one book for pastors, one book for everyday people, and one book for teenagers, all with that same concept, because that is that has been for me the most helpful tool is, and I heard a, a woman by the name of Megan Hyatt, um, her dad is much, much um, better known, um, um, whose first name, and actually, I can't remember, I can remember Megan, but who, what's the Hyatt? Um, Michael Hyatt. Michael Hyatt is, is much better known than his daughter, Megan, at this point. But Megan, I, I heard her say, just as an off-the-cuff statement one day in a podcast, you know, when you're trying to do something new, when you're trying to get somewhere, you got to choose who you want to lose with. And then she went on. And I, that just stuck with me because I think what that means is you, you recognize I'm going to get some pushback. They're going to call me a heretic, right? And I don't care if people call me a heretic. I don't even think people know what that word means. It's just a... It's just a pejorative intended to keep you in line. 
Um, so it doesn't bother me, but not anymore. But I mean, there was a time when I was like, oh, I don't want someone to say that about me. But if I believe that this decision that I'm going to make, this change that I'm going to make in my personal life or in my ministry, if I believe it's right, it will take me where I'm trying to go and it will please God. Uh, and like, for example, if it's obedience to him, then not only am I choosing to obey, but I'm choosing the people that I want to lose standing with. I'm making that choice as well. Like I see you, person A, and I know you'll disagree with it. And so I'm choosing to disappoint you by making this choice. Then when I make the choice and they're disappointed, I made, I chose to disappoint them. I knew going into it. I didn't even, I mean, it's always nice if I'm wrong, but I made that choice. And if you want to win, you have to choose who you're going to lose with. Yeah. And I think that that helps me a lot is instead of uh, being afraid of what the people are going to say around me, um, I let, you know, and, and instead of just letting them self-select, like I'll throw this out there and if anybody doesn't like it, they can, you know, whatever. Like I think through, I'm probably going to make these people upset with this choice, or I might disappoint these people, or they might think, oh, Mark's gone off the rails. Right? I, I, accept, I accept that they're going to say that, and I choose to lose with them for the sake of doing what I believe is right, because the alternative is untenable and unlivable. The alternative is to give yourself an ulcer. The alternative is to live in an inauthentic way, or at worst, to be disobedient to God when he's leading and, and, and calling you in a certain direction. And the fear of man brings a snare. Um, so choose who you want to lose with. So when we're deciding to break rank mm -hmm. and we know where we're shooting for and mm -hmm. we know that destination and I'm going to have to break down some walls, I'm going to have to go off the beaten path a little bit. Um, then comes the thing of which I have found myself um, that I have found. I'll give you an example. Okay, um, is the um, English Bible translation issue? Um, you know how we were scared to death to even say anything that rhymed with NIV or ESV or you know we weren't even allowed to even think about a word that would go with that. Right, and I think one of the biggest things. Um, that I have found is is once I started questioning a lot of the um, the rules and regulations and fear mongering around the King James Bible issue is I was like, what are people going to say? So I realized that, but then I was like, okay, um, so I'm going to so I started doing my own research. I started figuring out what I want, figured out what I really honestly believed, and I went down a path that I realized. This isn't the right path, and I and and some things, and I started researching other, you know, translations and different source documents, just trying to see all those things that I was taught. Yeah, and and I found myself going down roads, making mistakes, and saying, "Okay, well, I'll accept this because this might seem good," um, and I found myself making some errors and, um. And how do I, when I get to that point that I realize that I went down the wrong road and I started believing things that I shouldn't and I try to pull back, how do I keep myself from going way back to where I was and jumping in just because of, oh my goodness, I'm messing everything up um, and I've made these horrible decisions, this mistake, and how do I not go so far back that I don't keep trying to readjust my course? 
I wouldn't go back at all. I, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever think about it like going, going back. There's no going back. You just, there's only going, there's only standing still and going forward. So you make, so you go a little bit too far one way or another. Okay. So you just make an adjustment and you get back, you, you get back to moving forward, um, back to heading the direction. You don't need to go back anywhere. Um, it's so I, I don't, I don't think that that, I mean, we all do that every day in every area of our life. Um, and it's not a matter of having to start over or to, to go back to where we were, you know, go back to where you started and go from there. Just, you are where you are. There's no going back. The, the past doesn't exist. So right. you can't go back. So you just say, let, okay, so if I took, if you, if I took the Bible issue that you're talking about, and let's say you went from being King James only to exclusively using the message or the passion translation, um, which, you know, neither of those are both, di um, those are both different. Um, and um, some may like them and some may hate them, but most agree that they're, they're not terrific um, um, right. formal translations. They're paraphrases at, at, at best. Right. And there's some value in them, but let's say you, like you, you went from I'm King James only to like, I exclusively use the message. Um, and then you're like, well, now what do I do? Because I'm like, oops, I jumped too far. Now, what am I supposed to do? Just, just make some adjustment and pull back stay, say, you know what? I, I think I went a little bit too far here, this direction. So we're just going to keep going, but here's the, here's the course correction. Right. There's no, there's no shame in that. The only, you know, I think the only shame is in leaders or people who aren't willing to admit they ever made a mistake. Right. So yeah, that, that doesn't, that doesn't bother me. If you go a little bit, if you go a little bit quote too far, just course correct and keep on going. I like to say, I like to use the sports analogy because I'm not a sports guy. So it makes me feel like I'm part of a club that I'm not a part of. <laughs> and that is, I tell our church folks sometimes, listen, um, let me be the quarterback. Let me call the play. If it doesn't work, we'll back up and punt. Right. But let me call the play. I, so, but I I'm not going to apologize if the play doesn't work. There's always something else we can do if that play doesn't work. And sometimes I'm going to call the wrong play. That's life. That's leadership. No harm, no foul. I'm not doing anything that I'm intentionally trying to hurt people by doing. Right. So I want to swing back to the opposition thing. I, okay. I had a follow-up question on that, and it finally, my ADHD-riddled mind came back to it. Um, so I know, so we know we're going to face opposition. People are going to say, Kev, you lost your mind. You're, mm. you're, you're completely blown it. You've departed from whatever it is I taught you. And... So then we come to the mindset of we choose who we want to lose with. Mm -hmm. But then we also realize that that mindset might lead us to apathy. And how do we how do we guard against apathy saying, well, I really don't give, you know, a flying chicken what people say at all. I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. How do you guard becoming where you're still caring, you're still loving, you're still trying to have a good testimony and not saying up your nose to the big rubber hose to everybody who walks by who might criticize what you're doing? Yeah. How do you avoid the apathy? Um that's a really good that's a really good question. And I'm gonna just fumble and bumble here for just a moment, uh, because I actually let me give you what I wrote in the last chapter of the pastoral book. Um, you make those choices, you choose, you choose who you want to lose with, and you do it in with several things in mind that will keep you from becoming apathetic. Um, you, you make your choices in humility, like, 
I'm not saying that I'm always right. I could be wrong. I get that. And I accept that reality. I could be wrong, but I'm going to continue to go forward. But then you make the choices honestly. You're honest with people. Like, here's why I'm doing this and here's what I'm doing. Don't, don't hide behind it. And then you communicate what you're doing with the people that you support or the people that support you. Like, here's, here's what's happening. Here's what might be the fallout from this. And, um, you know, you're giving voice to, to that pain that may be coming. And you give as much clarity as possible. This is all trying to stop the, the negative from happening. But when it happens, then you take decisive action. Then that's when the fallout is going to happen. And when it does, you accept the loss. So I think it's okay when you choose who you want to lose with and you do lose with them. I think it's good to, to, to grieve certain losses. Um, there was a guy who was coming to our church. He's a real jerk. And... Everybody tiptoed around him, even though he was, even though he hurt people with the way he talked. Yeah. And I finally had enough of it. And I told our church, this is how I act. This is how I worked. And um, I went to the man and I told him he was wrong and that he needed to apologize to a certain person. And he turned it into, I'm the victim, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Abusers and jerks are like that. And I, I held my ground. I said, no, you need to apologize to this individual. What you said was wrong. The guy never came back to church. I didn't I didn't grieve it. I had been his pastor for three years. I didn't grieve it. Not everybody ought to go to church. And he, he was definitely one of those people because he was hurting people. Yeah. And so I didn't grieve that loss, but I recognized that some others were upset that he stopped coming to church. And so we took some time to process that. I think not becoming apathetic means acknowledging when someone who does mean something to you turns their back on you, that hurts. And yeah. so give yourself a chance to grieve that loss and maybe even reach out to say, I'm sorry that we've had to have a parting of the ways, but I'm always here if you, if you need it. Um, it's really hard because too much apathy, too much, too much um, grief can, can become crippling as, as well. Um, you know, everybody loves the story of Nehemiah where he tells Sanballat and Tobias, should such a man as I flee and I'm doing, the truth is Nehemiah had zero relationship with Sanballat and Tobiah. So that was much easier for him to do than it is when it's people that really, really love you. Right. So um, I think if you find yourself becoming apathetic, that should, be, that should be a red flag. Like maybe I'm not making the right choices in my life for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I guess the downside is I think it's always supposed to bother you even when you choose who you want to lose with. That's good. Well, that was fun. Um... You answered all my questions. Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? Well, yeah. So let me see here. There was a couple things that you sent me that I just couldn't wait to. I couldn't wait to. I really thought we covered answer. everything. But you, you know. said, "Is it ever okay?" Oh, I really wanted to answer this. You said, "Is it ever okay to become okay with not caring about what the opposition says?" And, you, and then that was the first part of the question of the question you asked, how do we not simply become apathetic? But you said, is it ever okay? So I would really, I would like to answer that question. So could you ask me that question? Because I prepared an answer for that question. Hey, Mark, I have a question yeah. for you. Is it ever okay to become okay with not caring about what the opposition says? Thank you for asking me that question, Kevin. <laughs> My answer is yes. Okay. 
that, that's, I guess it. I'm okay with that. There you go. So, yep, that's, I just felt like, I mean, I prepared that answer and I, I didn't want to let that go. I was very impressed with that, that well thought of answer. <laughs> um, all right. Here's, here's a follow-up question for you. Okay. Um, you and I have talked extensively about a lot of the changes that you and I have gone through over the last uh, 15 years. Yeah. Yep. It goes all the way back to North Carolina and Michigan. Yep. Um, that'd be a neat football game if I like football. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I just need to like football first. Um, so how important it is to have, because I'm a counsel, I'm a counselor, I'm a counselee. Is a counselee a word? Yeah. I, I seek counsel. You're one of my primary counselors, you and Michael are two of the primary people I go to for help and counsel and I cry on your shoulders and I say bad words and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I clean up Michael's messes. So um, you <laughs> and mine. I know um, he's gonna listen to this. <laughs> so um how important it is to have the counselor and how do you know who who to choose for your counselor in whatever area you're seeking to go off the beaten path with? I would well, find someone this is where and it's really important i think to find someone who is on who is on the same path you are even if they're a little bit ahead or even pretty close to where you are um it is important to have a counselor because um because sometimes it's impossible for us to see everything it's impossible for us to see everything clearly ourselves and right. but i wouldn't choose i wouldn't choose a counselor who was always going to tell me um, okay, I'll give you just a quick example because I know we're running running short on time. But the guy, I mean, I sat with a pastor not that long ago, a couple of years ago now, and I was thinking about making some changes. And I was just trying to have a conversation. I wasn't really looking for a counselor, but he's older than me, so so I was talking to him about some of the changes and trying to reach some of the young people and some of the youth. And the guy just completely dismissed me and was like, "Nope." There doesn't need to be any changes. People need to change. God's standard never changes. And about that time, I just tuned him out. And he kept going for another five or six minutes, but I just, I was done. Like, no, I've heard that song already. I know all yeah. the verses. So um, I'm looking for a counselor who's willing to just let go of the cliches and the platitudes and let's have some real talk. Like, ask me some questions that make me think about the choices I'm making. Um, a counselor who will say, give me five reasons why you shouldn't do what you're thinking about doing. Cause if you haven't, if you can't come up with any negative reasons, you probably haven't thought enough about it yet. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't want a counselor who's like, yeah, do whatever you want. I'm for you. Um, that's not a good counselor either. So find someone that's on Cause that that's path. all you do with me is yeah, that's, go for it, Kev. There you go. And I'll do it, Kev. I'll, I'll just watch and laugh. Let me go pop some popcorn. I'll just watch this mess. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did that to somebody. He said, "He said, uh, Kev, I want to go buy myself this certain certain rifle." And I'm like, "You the man of the house?" And this was this was years ago when I was still a baby. And uh, and he goes, "I'm gonna go buy me a new rifle," but my wife told me not to. I said, "I said go buy the gun," and I was just <laughs> kidding. And like um, this was when I was working open Bible, and literally the next day he shows up at the church with that box with that brand new rifle in the back of his car kev i want to show you the rifle i bought i'm like dude oh i told goodness. you i was kidding yeah. and so i had to go i had to i had to go to his wife first and said if he tells you that it's my fault it is not my fault 
That's great. Oh, that poor guy. You yeah. sent him right into the lion's den. Hey, hey, she's still married to him, so I guess it worked out all right. <laughs> well, she didn't have a choice. The guy had a gun. He had a gun. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate oh you. And, yeah, uh, man. And, it's been uh, fun. This has been fun. I'm I'm really enjoying this this new format. I I really enjoy. Yeah, I think it's good, and I think you're helping a lot of people with this format. Yeah, I appreciate it. Oh. So we will talk to you later. All right, man. Do you ever feel that you just get stuck in a rut and feel God moving you to to break out of that rut, to get off the beaten path and do something? I hope I hope some of the things we talked about were relevant to you and needful. Um, that's that's what we need to do in our lives my wife and i we have we have really striven over the last few years to really try to listen to god's leadership and guidance it's what the man i I pastor with it's what we've tried to do in our faith community it's what uh, we've, we've tried to do is to to really evaluate the norm where we're at what pathway we're on and make adjustments and make sure that we're listening to God, that we're moving forward. And even if we make mistakes, even if we find ourselves in a mess, that we reset, refocus, and, and keep on trying and keep on moving forward. And I hope, I hope this was good for you as the conversation was for me. If you really want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. Here to help ministry at Gmail. Share this. Please reach out to others and let folks know about our podcast and just love to hear from you and i'd love it if you if you have not rated us on your podcast platform that you use please do so um, more stars that you leave and even leave a rating would be great and we'd just love to hear from you love to get your help um, reaching other people and i just i just want to be a help to you so if you want to reach out and chat we'd love to pray for you talk to you meet your needs there for you. We love you. Let's have a great rest of our week. Serve the Lord, love God, move forward, and be circumspect and really look at where we're at in life and just keep moving forward. We love you. Have a great day.